Hi, Rav Judah here with Bava Batra, Perak Vav, Mishnah Chet. We've got a whopper of a Mishnah. Uh, it is about selling spaces for burial plots. Uh, but in order to understand the Mishnah, it's important to have a little bit of, a, of an explanation and a background in the way the burials were done, particularly in Israel, during the times of the Mishnah and what is being assumed. It's a little bit different than what we do today. Uh, today we tend to think of people being buried in grassy lawn cemeteries. Uh, Israel does not have that many grassy lawns, but also it's not what's absolutely necessary. People are familiar with the idea that Jews are buried in the ground. It's important that one be underground. One need not actually be in dirt per se. Having a body be under the surface of the earth in that which is the earth, namely rock. So if one had a, a carved out sort of a vault or a space that one could put a body into um, does actually qualify quite fine halakhically. It needs to be below the surface of the earth and made of the earth, which is dirt, rock, all the natural substances. That's what's actually required. Um, there can be airspace in there in, in a vault like that, in theory. Um, but that's by way of background. The second thing you need to know is the way that they used to do this. Uh, and this will make a bit more sense for you of various Mishnayot, Gemaras, as well as archaeological sites in Israel if you go to see them. So people weren't simply buried and left there. There's something called a kuch. A kuch is a, imagine a, you have a stone wall. Imagine the one has dug into the wall a space the size and shape more or less of a casket. And into that space is placed a body. That's what happens when somebody's buried. The entrance to that space, I guess where the head or the feet are now, is plastered up, and the body is left for a year in the kuch. In that space, the body will decompose. At the end of the year, the plaster will be removed, and the the bones, which is what remains, will be taken out, and then are buried in a family burial spot. This has a couple of, of implications. The first is that when we talk about uh, in Tanakh, you read something like, so-and-so died and was buried, was gathered unto his fathers. That's not simply a euphemism for the afterlife or for burial. It also means that their bones were allowed to go, their body was allowed to go for a year in that kuch, and then when the body was fully decomposed and the bones were taken, the bones were gathered to a family burial place. The longest bone on the body is the femur, which means that now a lot less space is taken up, and in a small country such as Israel, that works. Now there's just a, a little box, a little casket of bones, and the largest of them being the femur. So it's the length of the femur and the, you know as much space as it takes to do those, uh, to put those bones in. And then that box would be buried, or that pile of bones would be buried together in a family burial plot that would be what we call gathering unto fathers. That's the, the family burial plot once one has spent the year in the kuch, and the kuch is available for another body to be placed into it, plastered, and decomposed. Okay, so with that background in mind, now we can get to the Mishnah and understand what's being sold here. So if you sell someone a space for making a, a burial, a grave site, a family burial plot, uh, or in this sense, to be particular about it, it's, I guess, more of a decomposition spot, um, or, or if you're going to ex- take on the job of making this. So what the mission is going to do now is talk to, you, talk to us about how large the space is, because Baba Batra is largely about real estate. So we want to know, if somebody says, oh, I want to buy a uh, burial spot, uh, over in that portion of your field, how much land is being discussed? And if you take on the job as a contractor, what have you committed to make here? What, what is required? So what's the, what's the presumed, uh, what are the presumed dimensions? Osa tocha shalma'ara arba amod al shesh. Okay, so the first thing is that one digs into the ground, uh, or into the, the rock. It could be like into a cave in a, in a hillside or something like that. You need to have a central space. The central space is the place where people will stand to 
you know, finish the funeral, to put the bodies in. It's the, the so imagine a square, uh, built into, let's say like a cave, you know, a, a square space, or it could be underground. Um, that space is four by six amot. So four amot is six to eight feet, six amot is, uh, nine to twelve feet. That's a square. From that central square, we'll shoot off eight kuchim. So imagine you walk into a square cave, and then on the right-hand wall, there are three kuchin, three kind of casket-shaped, uh, dug-out spaces. They're going into the wall lengthwise. So they're not that wide. They're much longer than they are wide digging into the wall. Three on the right, three on the left, and two on the wall opposite you. So this one central area cave will will have several graves. If you want, by the way, a really good example of this in Beit Sha'arim, the kever, the grave of Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, is this sort of cave built into the uh, the wall. Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, who, who, who uh, redacted the Mishnah and that we are learning now. Um, that's that's the standard that the Mishnah puts out. Three, three, and two uh, straight ahead. So eight, eight people could be buried at any given time through the use of this cave and its kuchen, its burial slots. Each kuch is four amot deep, so that is six to eight feet, so we're assuming people who are not taller than four amot to be able to place their bodies into. Ruman shiva, they are seven tfachim high, and rochban shisha, six tfachim wide to be able to uh, fit a person in. Fit a body in, I should say. It's not a person. A body is a, a shell that held a person. Roshimon Omer, Roshimon says actually the interior of this cave is actually six amo by eight amo. It's a larger space and it has many more kuchen to it. There are 13 kuchen that come out of this cave. Arba Mikan, four on the right. Arba Mikan, four on the left. Shlosha Mikanek down three straight ahead. And then two that come off on diagonals. So if you're looking at a square, you have four on the right, four on the left, three ahead, that's 11. And then two at the diagonals of, say, like 10, 10, 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock or something like that, uh, shooting off in the corners. So you get 13 kuchen out of a cave this size. Uh, now, in front of the cave, in front of the burial cave, you have to have a little courtyard. There's a place for people to stand when it comes time for the funeral, to eulogize, etc. Sheish al sheish, six amot by six amot. Kimloha mitivakovrat. Has to be enough room for the, the casket itself, as well as the people who are doing the burial, the family to, to come and stand there, and then a few of them will go into the cave with the casket and actually, or, or the body and, and insert it into the kuch. Uh, and any given central area like this, this courtyard can have two, has supposed to have two kuchen, uh, two, two mara, two caves off of it, one on each side. So you're making use of the central gathering area with caves on each side. one on each side. Uh, hopefully there aren't multiple burials going on at one time, so it'll be fine to hold and this family can have their cave, this family can have their cave, and they use a shared little courtyard in the middle. Roshimon Omer Arba, Shem says, actually, why not have four burial caves, one on each side of this gathering central area? Shem Gamliel Omer, Hakol Hasela. says, well, actually, frankly, it's all going to depend, you know, on the on the rock, how hard it is to cut it, and how much space there is, and how easy to do it. This is really you can't standardize. It's going to depend on the uh, the circumstances.